Good morning, church. How are you? Everybody good? Sort of? It's like, hey, here we are. Well, I'm really, I'm excited to be here, and I may be the only one, but hopefully by the end of this thing, you will be excited that you came and glad you came this morning. Um, if you're here for the first time, I want to say welcome. Um, hopefully you'll find out real quick what we're about here. Hopefully um, you will see that we are people who are passionate about worship, we're passionate about Scripture and its, and its authority in our lives, and uh, we're just so thankful you're here. If you're watching online, a special hello to you as well. But uh, today's a great day because it's a great day to be here in general, but it's an especially great day to be here because today we're celebrating Student Sunday. This is our Youth Sunday um, event that we have every year, sometime in the spring, where we just kind of um, put a spotlight on and celebrate all that God is doing and has done in our amazing student ministry over these many years. Uh, really, I would say over the last six or seven years, there's been sort of a revival that's happened. Um, and it started with our younger people and sort of we're all, all us older people are sort of just riding. We're on, we're on the train and we're, 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 we ride the momentum of, of all that God has done um, in these young people. And some of these young people I'm referring to now are college and young adult age. And some of you are here and uh, and like you think back on what God did over your years um, here with us, and hopefully you'll not only will you look back in fondness, but you'll say that was the turning point. You'll say God did this, and because of that, then I am who I am now. And all glory to God, Amen. It's no no glory to us as a church or me or or, or, or Allison or anyone else, um, but we're just uh, as as your pastors, we're thankful. And more importantly, as your friends, we're very thankful uh, for you. So if you see these green shirts around, this is our, our student ministry shirt we just uh, dropped. And uh, if you see this verse, um, this is a verse that's near and dear to our student ministry. It comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And um, it's kind of what we're about. Kind of what we're about. So if you can't read it because of the cool King James font, maybe you'll stop. Maybe someone will stop long enough for you to read it and you'll get it and it'll be uh, all good, but um, so today's, today's a good day, right, amen, right, today's a good day, you've heard from a couple of our students in scripture and prayer, but you'll, listen, if you kind of look around, you'll see them back there on the cameras, and you'll see them in the tech booth, and you'll see, you, hopefully you saw them when you came in, greeting and ushering, and, and you'll see some serving you in communion later on, so um, this is just a day for them to uh, be, be put in a position to serve you, and so that you can kind of get a heartbeat uh, get the heartbeat of who we are. And I think it's, you know, our, our student ministry is part of the DNA of our church. Amen? It's just part of who we are. Um, we love students. We want to invest in students. They are not the future. They are the present. I, I can't say that enough. I, it's a nice sentiment to say they're the future. They are not the future. Us old folks kind of need to move out of the way. They are the present. Right? Not move out of the way completely. We're there to guide them and shepherd them. But they are not the future. They are the present. They're very much the present. Especially, especially in the life of the church. Especially in the life of the church. So this is who we are. And, and hopefully you've get, gotten a sense of that. Especially if you're new. Um, we want to make that perfectly clear. So uh, I'm going to ask Sullivan Adams and Millie Browning if they would come up here. One of the cool, yeah, you, you can do that. Part of, 
fact, one of the cool things, and I'm, Josh, I'm going to have them have, use this mic. That's cool with you. And uh, whoever wants, would you like to go first? All right, so I want to preface this. This is one of the cool things I love about this, this, this Sunday every year, and probably should do it more, is for you to hear the heart of our young people and all that God's doing in them. Um, and so we just, we ask these two, uh, one high schooler, one middle schooler, to give you a, a glimpse of kind of what God's doing in the heart of our young people. So this is Sullivan. What's up, Sullivan? What's up? My name is Sullivan. Um, all right, I'm going to just start with my testimony. Um, so I've grown up in the church, went to uh, First United Methodist in Valdosta, and then uh, when we moved here, I came with the church. Um, and I've always had a close relationship with God. I committed my life in sixth grade. And, you know, I've never really wandered off or anything, which I think is my story. I think it's a great story. And I think if you have... Your story individually is what you have, and that all of y'all in here have a story. No matter how bad or how messed up or how early on in, in your story you are, right now is the best story you have. And uh, when you're when you're uh, worship or building relationships with other people, I think that's what you should try to rely on is your testimony because your story is the strongest thing you have with others. All right, and uh, you know this this porch, this church has. It's, it's changed my life, like the, the relationships I've built with Justin and all these college guys that help, uh, like, they help pour into me and they, they spread their, their wisdom onto me. It's, it's something uh, I can't put a value on. And, you know, um, I don't know where I would be without them. The emotional support of everybody in the front row, um, I love all y'all. Um, Thursday nights, we get deep. Um, Sir, we get deep. Um, I can't, I can't put into words how much I love this youth group and uh, how much it's changed my life. Thank you. So I've been going to this church for about two or three years. And um, when I first came here, I knew nobody here. I don't go to school around here. I knew nobody. And... Um, we went to mission trip, and um, that was just the best thing for me because I met so many new people that I talk to every day and today and um, that I just talk to all the time and that I hang out with now. And um, I just feel like that mission trip was, um, it was just the best thing for all of us, and we really loved um, pouring into these kids that we brought from the Boys and Girls Club. It was, um, we served for our regular kids here and all the kids that came from the community. And then it was just our youth group and our kids from the Boys and Girls Club. And there was enough kids for everybody to have their own kid. And it was the best, it was so much fun. And um, so another thing is that um, all the people that I've met here and the things that we've done, it's just done so much for all of us. And I just feel like, no, no, no. I hope you heard a little bit of the heart of, of what we want to be about. And I, I, want, I, do, I do want to take this opportunity. If I started naming people, I'm going to forget. 
But if you serve regularly, weekly, or have served recently with our student ministry, whether at STIR or SALT or the Thursday night groups or anything like that having to do with our youth ministry on a regular basis, would you stand up? Everybody stand up, please. 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 They're here and some are not here, but you guys let them know how much you appreciate what they do. Drew, Drew is back there. Drew Patterson is back there somewhere, and Crystal is out of town. And we're so thankful for what they do with our with our middle school crew. Um, aren't you thankful for them? Right? Amen. And so we're very, very blessed here with some adults um, that will that just a little further down the road than them. That will love them into the kingdom and will shepherd them and will disciple them and, and really. If we're not making disciples, folks, we're not doing much as a church. So I'll just say that. So, so we're in this series, actually. Uh, we're not going to pause from the series, although it's Student Sunday. We're going to uh, jump right into the next section of this series called Whatever. And, of course, even when you say the word whatever, it, you can kind of, by itself, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a dismissive, oh, whatever, you know, right? But this is, it's more than that. It it's actually comes from... A passage, a very familiar passage in Philippians chapter 4. I want you to turn there with me. Philippians 4. Um, we're going to read verses 8 and 9. And uh, I'm reading from the NIV. Um, side note, anybody, anybody have a Bible that's just, a, you know, if you have several Bibles, there's one that's just kind of ultra extra special to you. Right? I've never, I, the last time I preached from this Bible I was probably in my early 20s. That's a long time ago. It's 20-ish years ago. But this Bible, this Bible is, is special to me, and it's, it's falling apart, and I won't do the, you know, whole Bible fall. Okay, I won't do that. I told myself I wouldn't do it at 930. You know, if the Bible's falling apart, the person isn't. But... This has scribblings in it and, like, not drawings. <laughs> I wasn't that young. But it has these cool, like, all through it, there's, like, sticky notes and, like, like as my terrible handwriting. I know it's me because so it's, it's, it's about awful. But, like, it's in the margins and stuff and all this stuff that I wrote when I was a teenager. And, um, and I think, man, that guy was awesome. I, got, I need to get back to that. I need to get back to that. I'm, that guy's a little bit wiser than I am now. It, it feels that way, though, right? You know, you read things that you wrote. You ever read th- something that you wrote years ago, and you go, how, how did that come from this mind and this heart? I have no clue. All I knew is that at 16, I, I, reading this Bible, I accepted Jesus. Reading this Bible, it was a gift from my youth pastor. And um, this is the Bible I was reading when... I gave my heart to Jesus, and so it's very, very special to me. I don't know how many years, more years it'll last, but until then, we'll keep using it. So I'm, that's a long way of saying we're in the NIV this morning. So I want you to turn there with me if you're not there already. This is what it says in the NIV. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. That's very important. 
that, that part right there, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Whatever is pure, that's what we want to focus on today. That, those three words, whatever is pure. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. Instead of saying, think on these things in verse 8, it actually says, fix your thoughts on. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure. Fix your thoughts on. A little bit different connotation, isn't it? If you think about, if you say, think on or think about something, then you change it to fix your thoughts on. In our humanness, we kind of read that differently. Although the author meant the same thing. Paul meant the same thing. But sometimes it's good to just kind of lay different versions of the Bible open in front of each other and just go compare the two and go, you know what, I, this, this is from this angle and this is from this angle. This is what it really means. Because if I, if I read the NIV, which I love, it says, think on these things. That doesn't quite do it, does it? It doesn't quite have the depth. And this is, and we're talking, when we read, you know, we, what we try to teach our students too, and hopefully you as a church, is that when you read scripture, you don't just take it for what your face value for what you're reading at, in the moment. It, it's, it's, some things are meant to take at face value. The gospels, face value. Other things, you got to dig a little bit. You had to understand what the original Hebrew authors meant when they wrote these things, especially in Old Testament. You can't just take it for face value and say, oh, that's what it means. No, no, no. They're interpretive tools set aside for us to understand the Word of God. And you have to use them. Otherwise, you're left to uh, decide whatever you want it to, to mean. And that's what, that's, that's not a great practice, Right? You're left to decide whatever, whatever you feel like it means in, in the moment for you and, and all your emotions and all your flesh, the flesh and the spirit warring against each other, trying to figure out what this means. And, and first and foremost, the Holy Spirit opens the eyes and the heart to, to, to illuminate what it means. And he can do that in year one of your relationship uh, with Christ or year 20. He will do that in year one, in year 20. We never stop growing. We never stop searching the scriptures. We never stop digging. We cannot dig deep enough, right? So fix your thoughts. It has a little more oomph to it. I like that. Fix your thoughts. Not think about. Not remember to go buy milk at the grocery store, and I think about that, and I go do it, and then I'm done with it. No. Fix your thoughts. Put your thoughts on something, dwell on it, meditate on it, all those things, whatever you want to say there. Fix your thoughts. I love that. To understand verse 8, though, this is another tip for reading the Bible. You can't just take verses 8 and 9, which are very, very well known. You can't just take those two, two verses and pluck them out and understand what it's trying to say, right? You have to go back a little bit, and you need to go forward a little bit. So we go back one verse to verse 7, and it says, this is to me why he's saying, think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Why is he saying this? Why is he saying to think about these things? What, you know, you could say, well, it's a good thing to do. But there's a reason for it. He says in verse 7, and the peace of God will, and you could go even further than that, which says don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything. You can go there. But we're, we're going to verse 7. It says the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So 
if you take 8 and 9 and not read backwards a little bit, you'd be inclined, and so would I, to think, I just need to think better thoughts. You would be inclined to say, to try to motivate yourself into thinking more positive thoughts. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying simply to think better thoughts. Hey, y'all, you ever tried real hard to just think better thoughts on your own? Does it work? Does it work? No Motivation Monday here. Truth Sunday, that didn't rhyme, but there it is. Like, who helps you think better thoughts? The Holy Spirit, God, the God of peace. The God of peace will guard your what? Your hearts and your minds. There's a renewal of the mind that goes on every day. There's a renewal of the mind that goes on every day. And so God is the one that allows the the room for us to think better thoughts, to fix our thoughts on what is true, what is noble, what is right, and certainly what is pure. Can't do it on our own. We cannot fix our thoughts on whatever is pure without the peace of God ruling in our lives. We just can't, okay? That's a, that's a baseline. And see, peace and freedom, that, that only comes through Jesus and his blood covering your life every day. So what is purity, though, all right? So let's talk about the purity. Whatever is pure. So what does that look like? Well, purity, this is the definition Webster says purity is freedom from contamination. Freedom from contamination. If you're going to fix our thought, if we're going to fix our thoughts on what is pure, we need a framework to go on. Freedom from contamination. Biblical purity is not just about sex. It's not just about sexual purity, although that's super important. It's included in that. But this biblical purity is a more broad thing. It really is about being free from sin. You hear me? Biblical purity is about being free from sin. Biblical purity means freedom from sin. Not sinless, but fighting daily against the sin battle going on in our lives. Fighting fighting daily against that habit sin that you struggle with every day that you never think you're going to overcome. Fighting daily. You know, I've always heard, and I believe this is true, if you're fighting That's good news. That's a good sign if you're battling against your sin. That's a good sign. That's a good sign that the Holy Spirit's at work in your life. If if, if sin has run amok in your life and you just allow it to do what it's going to do and I don't care, whatever, not a good sign. Red flag. Red flag. Sin, it's, it's, it's not being free, it's not sin, being sinless, it's being free from sin. And freedom in Christ isn't something we just declare and that's it. We walk in it. We walk in it. We fight tooth and nail for it. Sometimes we go back to the bondage that we were in before and then Jesus frees us again and we repent and then he cleanses us and then we move along our way. But we continue to battle, we continue to battle, but he alone can cleanse, he alone can purify. We cannot clean ourselves up. In the Bible, it talks about the process of purifying gold and precious metal by fire. By fire. It's a refinement process. And it, get, it gets rid of all the impurities so it's fit for use. 
so it's fit for use. If you don't clean up the gold, if you don't melt it down and scrape all the trash off the top, it's not fit for jewelry or anything else. And so it's true in the life of the believer, amen? Right? The, the refinement process is so, so, so important. And it is daily. And it is daily. Who purifies, who cleanses? The Lord Jesus Christ, no one else. And this life is a refinement process, and God wants to refine and, and purify us even today. Even today. Even if you had a great conversation with the Lord before you came, some of y'all are just good, doing good to get here. Understand? Coming in on two wheels. Kids yelling at each other. Not a whole lot of talking to Jesus before you came. But here you are. And guess what? Folks, when you leave, by the time you leave, God wants a cleansed heart, cleansed mind. Right? Maybe that's you. There's this cool illustration that Jesus gives in Matthew 23, and I want to share it with you. Matthew 23, 25 through 28. If you want to turn there with me, you can. It'll be on the screen. This is what it says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. Then he says again, he repeats it, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. By the way, the only people Jesus ever really got angry at in the Bible were these Pharisees. God help them. The only really got, he never got angry at his disciples, even though they did some stupid stuff. And they said some dumb things. He was so patient with them. Why? Not because they were without fault, because they were following Jesus. They were, they were, they were, they were striving after Jesus. These Pharisees, they were just like, you're not son of God. You're not the truth. You're not God in the human body. And there's nothing worse you can say about Jesus. Nothing worse you can say. It's a complete rejection of, of who Jesus is. If, you, if, you, if, if we believe, if a pastor stands up in any pulpit and says that God is, Jesus is not God in human form, they're not of God in any way. Reject that. So the only people he really got upset at is these poor people. Not poor. These Pharisees. He says, he says it twice. Woe to you. He says, pity. Pity on you, man, because you're, you're, you're headed for destruction. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs. I love this. Which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead. Everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Clean on the outside, nasty on the inside. That is the sum total of, of the way many people live their lives. Shiny on the outside, filthy on the inside. Anybody, anybody have a, a, a dishwasher that doesn't quite do the job? I don't know what it is about dishwashers. You put all the detergent you want in there. It could be overflowing with bubbles. And yet, there's going to be a spot somewhere. And you got to wash it. You got to rewash it after the dishwasher gets done with it. Anybody, is anybody, am I the only one that does that? Man, like, I'm so anal about <laughs> the dishes being clean. I am so like, I, gotta, I cannot drink out of this coffee cup unless it's absolutely clean. And the hand washing don't always do it either. Y hey, by the way, 
Anybody work in food services in here? Have worked in food service? Anybody ever been an actual dishwasher in a kitchen in a restaurant? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Peyton, you did? Did you do a good job? Best one out there, Jordan says. I believe that. Y'all, I, I'm, I guarantee you, you don't want to look and watch those people in the kitchen of a restaurant washing those dishes. You don't want to know. There ain't no like. You just don't want to know. When I was about 17, 18, I was eating at my favorite Mexican restaurant in Tifton, Los Compadres, RIP. It's no, it's no longer, no longer open, probably for this reason that I'm about to share with you. Sitting there with my buddies and we're we're eating and they had those awesome plastic Coca-Cola cups that you just want to steal and take home with you. What you got? Nothing. Nothing. I've always wanted to just, I, don't, I haven't never done it. Anybody ever stolen one of those cups? You, you take that back. Okay, all right. A bunch of y'all, sinners, be cleansed. So I'm, I'm, I'm sipping my sweet tea. And my friend goes, anybody know, do you, anybody, anybody from that area know, remember Los Compadres? Amazing restaurant, amazing. Okay. I'm drinking my tea, and my friend goes, he doesn't say anything. He just makes that face, sort of, and he points. And I go, and folks, I kid you not, lipstick ring, lip prints all around the edge of that cup that I had been drinking. I, I had a refill already. And if you have a, if you have a sensitive gag reflex, I'm sorry, I almost threw up all over that table. From henceforth, I decree and declare I will use a straw. And I have. From that day forward, I do not sip out of the cup from the restaurant. I wait till the straw gets there. If the lady forgets the straw, the, the cup will sit there and the ice will melt. Until the straw gets there. I promise you. My family can, can, can attest. So how do we do these things mentioned in verse 8? How do we fix our thoughts on what is pure? How do we do that? How, how, how can God take a life so impure as mine and yours and make it clean? How can he get all that dirt and that grime off? How can he take the thoughts that run through my head? And if you knew them, man, you'd run for the hills. I say that all the time. It's true. We all have dark thoughts. Our thoughts are not of God most of the time. You know, we can't help what comes in our head. We can help what we do with them, though. I would say the first thing is surrender. Surrender is a daily thing. Surrender your thoughts. Surrender those thoughts. Don't give them room to grow. Don't give that, that thought seed room to grow into a mighty oak of sin and disobedience. Right? Don't let the seed, that thought, grow. Don't water it. Don't let it become uh, something, that, uh, the kudzu that overruns your yard. For real. Every time I go near to Athens, kudzu everywhere. What are they going to do about the kudzu? Nothing. 
They're just going to let it grow. It's taking over everything. Don't let the thought, the seed of that thought, become something destructive in your life. Surrender the thought. Surrender the thought. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live holy lives. It's all about personal holiness. God wants you to live holy lives. Not perfect lives, but holy lives in pursuit of holiness, in pursuit of purity. I'm just in pursuit, y'all. I'm in pursuit of purity. I'm in a process. I'm in the refinement process to live pure lives. And guess what? Pure thoughts leads to pure lives. Pure thoughts lead to pure lives. If you will learn to surrender your thoughts, you will live holy lives. If you learn to stomp out that seed of a negative thought or a destructive thought or a sinful thought, you will live pure lives, holy lives. You will. You will. And to our students, there's a very familiar passage in 1 Timothy 4. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believer in speech and conduct, in love and faith, and watch this, in purity. In purity. It's important, y'all, to live in purity. To set an example for us older people. I've seen and heard from some of our students, even, even Braden's prayer earlier, and I said, man, I can pray a prayer like that. Man, he set an example for me this morning, amen, for all of us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, including pure thoughts, impure thoughts. Including the impure thoughts. And let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's the key, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, The bottom line is, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, your thoughts will follow. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, your thoughts will follow. If you have trouble with your thought life, put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. Proverbs 23, 7, for as a a person thinks in, in his heart, so is he. When we fix our eyes on Jesus and not other people and not circumstances or our culture, then our thoughts will be fixed as well. So how do we think about whatever is pure? How do we think on or fix our thoughts on what is pure? A daily refocusing our eyes first onto the person of Jesus. A daily refocusing of our eyes onto the person of Jesus will fix our thought life. It will fix it. It might take a little while, but it will fix it. He is the only one that can guard your heart and your mind. See how that works? He is the guardian of your heart and mind. So let him. He is the one who gives peace from destructive thinking, from negative thinking, from anxious thoughts, from fear, from hopelessness, from sexual immorality, and on and on and on. So the challenge this week is real simple, to allow God the room in your life to make you clean, to cleanse you to purify those thoughts by surrendering your thoughts to him, the seed thought, as soon as it hits your brain. Then fix your eyes on Jesus, which controls everything else. Your eyes control everything else. If you put your eyes on Jesus, you won't have time to do that sin, whatever that sin that so easily entangles you. You You'll have a clear focus in your life. 
as I call the band up, we're going to come to the table and participate in, in Holy Communion. And I couldn't think of a better thing to be thinking of, to, talking about as we come to the table to fix our thoughts on what is pure. And here's, this, here's a prayer that we should pray straight from Scripture, a sacred and beautiful prayer from the heart of David himself, from the depths of his anguish and despair, from the war that was going on in his own heart, and it comes from Psalm 51. So here's the prayer. And so here's what, as the band's coming up, I want to I ask you to close your eyes real quick. And I want you to, in your mind, in your heart, I want you to recite this prayer with me. You can do it out loud or you can do it uh, where you're sitting. As I say it, I want you to pray this prayer. This is the prayer this morning for thinking about whatever is pure. This is how we get there. This is the first step. This is what it says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Amen. That is our prayer this morning. As we move to a time of communion, all are welcome at this table. The great thing about this, the great thing about this, this, this beautiful uh, sacrament that we take, take part in, no one comes to this table clean. No one. No one comes to this table fully clean. And no one comes to it worthy. It's a holy and reverent moment. And it's our job where we sit before we come to this table to pray some version of Psalm 51 to allow God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all that stuff to unload the baggage before we come to the table. Amen? To unload the baggage and allow God to cleanse us inside and out. Shannon.